Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown, Georgia Southern. Pass swings on the way. It's gone! It is well with my stolen Montgomery! Georgia Southern wins! All right, Georgia Southern fans, welcome to another episode of Georgia Southern Extra. I'm Travis Chadon, the beat writer for Georgia Southern Athletics at the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com. I'm rolling solo today. We don't, we do not have Mike Anthony uh, with us today to break down the Minnesota game. Uh, the bye week uh, this week has caught Mikey memory with some parental obligations. Uh, so I'll be running through the Minnesota game solo uh, for you guys today. Plenty to get through uh, from the 35-32 loss in Minneapolis by Georgia Southern. Uh, we got a different kind of format this week for you guys as far as the show uh, is concerned. So uh, you're listening to this. If you're listening on time, it is on Wednesday. Uh, so we'll have this for you guys throughout the week, throughout the bye week, uh, to kind of get you caught up on the Minnesota ins and outs from that game. Uh, and then later in the week on Saturday, we'll drop a bonus episode, a bye week episode featuring 2020 recruiting news with 247 Sports, uh, Georgia Southern recruiting guru Justin Judy. Uh, and then we'll do some Sunbelt Conference kind of bigger issue uh, stuff with Southern Pigskin's Jim Johnson. Uh, then we'll get some more news and notes regarding Georgia Southern. Uh, hopefully by that time later this week, we'll have some more news on Shy Wirtz and his status moving into the September 28th uh, Louisiana game at Paulson Stadium. That's the Sunbelt Conference opener. And that is the anniversary, September 28th, of Georgia Southern's first ever game at Paulson Stadium. So a big one uh, at Paulson Stadium under the lights at 6 p.m. So we'll have uh, plenty this week for you guys, even though Georgia Southern is off and, you know, healing up, resting up, blessing up. Uh, we won't take a break on bye week. Uh, we will be on the golf course a lot. I'm sure Mike uh, would agree with me on that, uh, but we will stay focused on Georgia Southern uh, as we move into Sunbelt Conference play. So let's uh, let's jump right to it. Let's jump to this 35-32 loss. Uh, the Eagles led with 13 seconds remaining in the game before Tyler Johnson's uh, really remarkable two-yard fade touchdown catch over Monquavian Brinson, who had um, excellent coverage on that play. Uh, Georgia Southern, uh, you know, they did a lot of things wrong in this game, but they still had an opportunity to win. And so you're left with kind of an eerie feeling. You know, it's definitely different than the LSU game. It's different than the main game, but you're left with the feeling that, man, you know, what could have been? And this is what I wrote my column on. And you can find it on savannahnow.com. Uh, Georgia Southern let a golden opportunity escape from its grasp on Saturday in Minneapolis. They could have done something uh, just for the second time in program history by knocking off an FBS team. Uh, they led, like I say, with 13 seconds to go despite really being dominated uh, on the stat sheet, especially after halftime. Um, let's first let you guys listen into what Coach Lunsford had to say after the game. Uh, you can hear it in his voice. You can see it if you watch the video of this post-game presser. Lunsford definitely did not react to this game. Uh, and the players were the same way. Lunsford and the players did not react to this game the way they did the LSU game. That's certainly understandable. Let's listen to what Coach Lunsford had to say after the game. Tough one. Um, you know, we got ourselves in position to win the football game, and uh, we were not able to finish, you know, tremendous job getting two non-offensive scores in the fourth quarter. Um, but we just couldn't control the clock in the fourth quarter, and then 
Uh, couldn't make the stop when we needed to. Uh, disappointing. We expected to win the ball game, and we didn't. All right, so there you guys go. You, you heard Coach Lunsford. He's very disappointed there. Uh, disappointed in his team not being able to finish it when they had it. Um, you know, third and 29 from your own six with no timeouts remaining, Minnesota was. Uh, and then they convert. Uh, they convert thanks to 21 yards uh, on third and 29. And then on fourth and eight, they convert using the same receiver again. Uh, after Minnesota converted, and, and you know, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you watched the game. If not, pause this episode, go watch the game, and maybe don't watch the last 13 seconds. But you saw w- what everyone else saw, and the, that's that Georgia Southern, uh, you know, really, really did not have uh, a lot of opportunities with the ball uh, in the second half. Georgia Southern ran. A remarkable, uh, remarkably few plays uh, in this game. You know, when you look at it from the stats alone, you'd say that Georgia Southern maybe had an opportunity to win this game, but I don't know that you can look at this game and say that Georgia Southern deserved to win or that they were the better football team. I don't think that's the case at all. I think what you saw was uh, Georgia Southern playing their asses off and they're playing with uh, you know, some fire that they did not show against LSU. And, and this is the kind of game that LSU could have been. It couldn't, it, you know, I don't think it ever was going to be this close the way that Minnesota was simply because of the talent gap. But this is the kind of thing that we were thinking we might see at LSU. Some fireworks, you know, some, some big plays, uh, you know, some chances taken. But unfortunately for Georgia Southern, they never even got that opportunity against the Bayou Bengals. Uh, on Saturday in Minneapolis, Georgia Southern held the ball for 22 minutes and five seconds in total. That's the least amount of time that a Georgia Southern team has held the ball in a road game in the program's history. In the history of Georgia Southern's program, in history, I mean, after the restart uh, in 84, uh, 22 minutes and five seconds they held the ball. That's the, the you know the least amount of time for a road game ever. Uh, they ran 42 total plays to Minnesota's 79. Um, the 42 snaps is the fewest, tied for the fewest in program history. Uh, it is the fewest amount of plays ran in a road game. Uh, the only other time that Georgia Southern ran 42 plays was on November 14th, 1992. Uh, but hear this, after halftime, Georgia Southern ran 12 plays and gained 24 yards. Minnesota gained 191 yards on 47 second half snaps. So let that sink in for a second. Minnesota's defense had to play 42 total snaps. Georgia Southern's defense was on the field for 47 snaps in the second half. Is it any wonder that when you needed a tackle here or there in the moment that mattered most in that final drive, that it, it seemingly was too tall of a task for Georgia Southern to tackle in, in open space. After Minnesota converted that fourth down and eight uh, from deep in its own end zone, they never faced another third down. So they picked up three first downs on their next four plays and cruised into the end zone. I don't know that I can blame it on the Georgia Southern defense. I, I, 
you know, when you get two non-offensive touchdowns, you're obviously going to have fewer snaps in the game. You're going to have fewer yards. But for me, after halftime, Georgia Southern became something uh, that I have never seen from this program. They looked like uh, kind of like a deer in headlights. And, you know, if you look back at the game, um, especially the broadcast, you can kind of see when the big moments happen, uh, you know, Georgia Southern, their sidelines kind of, you know, they're obviously ecstatic, but including Lunsford, they kind of look like they hadn't been there before. Um, and they didn't know what was going on. Now, a lot of that came from Monquavian Brinson's 77-yard uh, blocked field goal return, the block from Reynard Ellis, who had a, a terrific game uh, at the inside linebacker position for Georgia Southern. The 77-yard return from Brinson was wild because uh, the touchdown stood, a flag was thrown because a Georgia Southern staff member got in the way of a referee who was trailing the play, um, it in no way affected the play, did not impact the play, but it did impact the game. After Brinson's touchdown return, Georgia Southern needed to go for two. They were trailing 28 to 26 at the time, and the penalty caused them to be backed up 15 yards. Uh, the two-point try was no good. Um, on the next Minnesota possession, when Rashad Bird has the strip fumble return for a touchdown, uh, not getting it uh, on the prior two-point conversion forced you to go for two uh, once again. And so, you know, we talk about the little things. That is certainly a little thing um, if you're a staff member. Stay out of the way. But, again, it did not affect the, the outcome of the play. I don't know that it affected the outcome of the game. But, you know, what it did do is prove that Georgia Southern's got a lot of these little things that just keep giving them headaches and headaches and headaches. Uh, Ten more penalties in this game for Georgia Southern for 64 yards. Um, Georgia Southern on third downs were, was two for two for nine on third downs. Minnesota was seven of 14. Uh, so Georgia Southern 22 percent on third downs in this game. That brings their 2019 season third downs. They are six for 34 and count it. That's a 17 percent clip that Georgia Southern is converting third downs on. That will not cut it. In the second half of this game, Logan Wright and J.D. King did not receive a carry. I want to let that sink in for you. Logan Wright and J.D. King did not receive a carry in the second half of this football game. I don't care how many plays you run. If you're running 12 plays, J.D. King and Logan Wright better get a touch. Um, Now, again, a lot of this has to do with Tomlin choosing where to go with the option. And that's fine and well, but if J.D. King and Logan Wright aren't getting touches uh, once a quarter, something is wrong. And that, to me, showed that Georgia Southern was kind of out of its element early on in the second half, and it could have gotten away from them. You know, and that's kind of what I mean when I say that I don't know that Georgia Southern deserved to win this game. They did a lot of things wrong. They fumbled three times, lost two of them. So that brings their 2019 fumble count. To 12 fumbles, 5 lost fumbles, and 124 carries. Now listen to this. In 2018, 13 fumbles, 5 lost. Okay, so 5 lost this year already through 124 carries. Last year, Georgia Southern lost 5 and 643 carries. Okay, so that's a problem right off the rip. When you're, you know, you're committing 10 penalties and 6 of them come in the 4th quarter, that to me shows that once, you know, and again, they're worn down. But once you're worn down, you got to be able to, to play football without committing 
penalty after penalty. And you got to be able to get some third down conversions every now and then. If you're an option offense, I know you're not built to convert third and sixes, third and sevens with regularity, but you think you can convert them at at least a 30% clip. Every now and then convert one, and every now and then prevent the other team from converting one, and you've got some good things going. But unfortunately, Georgia Southern was not able to do that. What they were able to do uh, is generate some pressure uh, with the defensive line um, without having to blitz. Now, I did see Scott Sloan blitz a little more in this game. He also experimented with some man-to-man principles. I don't know if they ever went man-to-man across the board, but they did have some man-to-man coverages, especially early in the game. You saw early in this game, Minnesota attacking Georgia Southern with a passing game, especially across the middle on those scripted plays. Now, stop me if you've heard that one before. Uh, Minnesota's safeties coach was Maine's head football coach last season. And go back and look at the way Maine started that game against Georgia Southern when they marched down the field with those scripted plays with ease. Then go back and look how Minnesota tried to start this game. Uh, Kendrick Duncan Jr. with a great play. He is really, really coming along nicely. And we'll get we'll get to the safety position um, in just a few minutes. Uh, but Kendrick Duncan Jr. made a really nice play to intercept that ball. But Minnesota was attacking almost identical to the way that Maine attacked Georgia Southern with success. And I'd have to think that there was at least a little bit of um, information shared between Maine and Minnesota in that week leading up to the game. All right, Georgia Southern fans, we have a new offer for you guys at savannahnow.com. We want you guys to check it out. It's a newsletter focused on Georgia Southern athletics and Georgia Southern athletics only. This is a free opportunity for you guys to get caught up on all the latest news on the Eagles, whether it be on the football field, basketball court, baseball field, or what have you. But go join the mailing list for the newsletter, and this is how you do it. Go to savannahnow.com and look on the right side of the homepage, click Get Our Newsletters, and go from there. The newsletter will have a blog post once a week, as well as other relevant Georgia Southern stories, opportunities to subscribe to the podcast, and other insider notes that you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe today. Now, when you look at kind of the game as a whole, uh, I thought in the first half, Georgia Southern showed up and they, they were able to take punches and then they were able to return fire. Um, that bodes well. For me, though, you know, in the second half, when you come out of the locker room and your first three drives go nine yard, I mean, nine plays, three drives, nine plays, uh, and you collect nine yards on those three drives uh, while Minnesota's marching up and down the field. At that point, three drives, nine plays, you got to get the ball in Wright or, or LaRoche or King's hands. I, I know Tomlin has been good, and, and he was good again on Saturday. Good, not great on Saturday. Um, but, you know, Tomlin is is a nice player. I, I, I'm i willing to ride or die with Logan Wright and J.D. King and even Matty LaRoche, who, who struggled to kind of really get anything going. They tried early in the second half uh, with a quick quick draw to LaRoche, and that was stuffed in the backfield, and, and they never went back to it. Um, J.D. King finished with seven carries for 35 yards in this game. Uh, he had three of those carries within a one-minute time span late in the first half. 
Logan Wright had uh, six carries for 35 yards. 21 of those came on one run. Um, And again, all six carries in the first half. So, you know, the second half obviously was a disaster. And we saw some good things at times from Georgia Southern in the first half. But when the defense began running out of gas, you saw uh, that there was really little Georgia Southern could do besides make tackles to increase their performance on the defensive side. Uh, That last drive was a brutal display of tackling. Um, You know, there was a second down play from around the Georgia Southern 30. uh, And it was when Georgia Southern sent pressure from the linebacker unit and they ran, Minnesota ran a kind of quick, uh, not a screen, but a quick pass out to the left to a receiver coming back. And he just stayed on the sideline and, and broke three, four tackles. Um, you know, one from Jesse Liptrot originally, then from Rutledge. And then Rutledge ended up circling back around to make the tackle. Um, but Georgia Southern was unable to tackle in the biggest of moments. And you could feel it after that third and 28. I mean, 29, uh, after that 4th and 8, you could feel that Georgia Southern may be watching this one slip. So, you know, when you talk about the defense being worn out, you got to wonder why uh, they were so worn out. And for me, I think a lot of that onus has to go on the offense. If the offense isn't going 3 and out, especially early in the second half, you, you start to see those numbers from Minnesota in terms of number of snaps ran. Number of snaps in in the second half, you start to see that number decrease. And when you start to see the number of snaps that you face, when you start to see that number decrease, you you don't have to rotate as often as Georgia Southern did. Um, There were some guys that stepped up and made nice plays. I thought Todd Bradley um, continued to kind of come along and and is working to become himself again. Uh, If Georgia Southern can get him healthy, that'll be a really nice tandem uh, in the middle with him and Reynard Ellis and obviously Rashad Bird um, as well. Uh, I thought Quinn Williams, uh, we had a Quinn Williams sighting. Uh, that's Mikey Memory's boy. Uh, and Quinn Williams had his first two career sacks. He was excellent in the game. Really showed that uh, he has the ability to be a premium pass rusher in the group of five. Besides that, I don't know that there are a lot of positive takeaways. You got the two gigantic plays from Bird and Brinson. But if you don't get those, uh, this thing gets ugly. Uh, you got to think that if the field goal is not blocked, it's made. It's, you know, pretty short field goal. Um, you got to think that if Bird doesn't strip uh, Tanner Morgan, the Minnesota quarterback, you know, what would lead you to believe that Georgia Southern was about to come up with a stop there when they hadn't been stopping Minnesota really at all, especially after halftime? So, you know, for me, I think one of the bigger things from the defensive unit was the safety spot. Uh, Daryl Baker Jr. had a rough game. He had a rough game, guys. And he he missed the tackle uh, at the middle of the field on Minnesota's second drive. So after uh, Duncan's pick, then Logan Wright's touchdown made it 7-0. Minnesota ran the ball on their next drive on the first play. And then the second play from scrimmage, uh, Georgia Southern led for all of two plays. Second play from scrimmage of the second drive from Minnesota. It was Tyler Johnson who scored on a long run, and it was Darrell Baker who had the opportunity right at midfield, and he missed the tackle. Then later in the first quarter, uh, it was a touchdown throw from Morgan to Johnson again, where Rutledge and, and I mean, um, I'm sorry, Baker 
and Kendrick Duncan and Reynard Ellis, there seemed to be some miscommunication after Tyler Johnson caught that little skinny post. There seemed to be some guys looking around with their palms to the sky, not knowing what happened. After that moment, late in the first quarter, uh, Daryl Baker Jr. was hardly seen again in the game. And instead, it was Donald Rutledge, the graduate transfer from Savannah State, who was playing alongside Kendrick Duncan. Um, you know, Scott Sloan doesn't do that too often. That, to me, tells me something. Rutledge responded, had 10 tackles in the game, uh, obviously a career high for him. Um, and he played, um, I think, above average, uh, Rutledge did. But, you know, he missed some tackles as well. So, you know, I think the safety spot is certainly a position to watch. Um, you know, I wanted to touch on this, and, and we won't be too much longer here. I, you know, I wanted to get this episode out to you guys so I could give you my thoughts on it. Um, but we'll go more in depth later this week with the Saturday episode. Uh, I wanted to touch on this from PJ Fleck. I, I come into this game, Minnesota's head coach, PJ Fleck. I, I had a you know a lot of respect for him. Knew the name, kind of knew what he was about. Um, he, he's kind of a uh, you know a raw raw guy and kind of a uh, you know immeasurables guy. Um, likes to use heart and uh, courage and things like that uh, uh, essentially things that aren't real <laughs> and things that don't actually impact football games the way that say tackling penalties and fumbles do so you know I'm not really into that kind of thing uh, if you are more power to you but after the game PJ Flex comments rubbed me the wrong way and I, you know I'm not really a big fan of his any longer for me, what I want to see and hear from a coach, you know, if I'm covering the team or even if I'm a fan of the team, and I think a lot of you guys will agree with me on this, you need to see some self-awareness and kind of some, some self-criticism that, that's real. Uh, when Lunsford talks after games, he, he gives you, a, this is why we lost. Uh, we didn't do this. We didn't do that. Uh, we didn't do X. We didn't do Y. Um, PJ Fleck took a different route. Uh, he said that Minnesota won because of uh, courage, character, and uh, class. He pretended like they were massive underdogs and that no one gave him a chance. So let's let you guys listen to a little snip of what uh, your boy PJ Fleck had to say after the game. But we found a way to win again. And this team is, uh, has some of the most heart I've ever seen in my entire life. And that doesn't get measured on a, a 40 or a height and weight. That gets measured when you go play the game of football. And all three of those teams circled us as their Super, super Bowl. And we found a way to win when everybody thought we wouldn't three weeks in a row. So there's Fleck uh, claiming that South Dakota State, Fresno State, and Georgia Southern, the three teams that Minnesota has barely beat this season to be 3-0 and thus far. There's Fleck claiming that Georgia Southern had this one circled as their Super Bowl. I hate to, uh, you know, inform P.J. Fleck of this, but, uh, you know, I'm not sure anyone on Minnesota's schedule is circling the Gophers. What has Minnesota ever done to warrant being circled? Um, if I'm circling games on a schedule and I get to Minnesota, you know, I'm not giving them any shape. I'm not squaring them, circling them, triangling them. Uh, I'm not highlighting them. I'm not underlining them. Uh, I'm looking at the spread and maybe the forecast. That's it. Uh, you know, P.J. Fleck can pretend that the world thought Georgia Southern was going to win this game, but that ain't true. 
Uh, he knows that. Lunsford knows that. Georgia Southern knows that. Minnesota knows that. And so to get up there and do those kind of antics at the podium uh, in this day and age when you have you know, really intelligent fans and really passionate fans, um, you can't give them logical analysis of the game. You can't give them uh, X's and O's. Uh, you can't give them rationales. You, you got to give them, uh, you know, these metaphors, you know, these rowing the boats and uh, sticking together and having heart and this blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, that is just annoying. There's no way around it. Um, and thank God that Georgia Southern doesn't have a coach like that. Uh, Fleck has done, you know, an above average job, I think, thus far at Minnesota. I don't want to pretend like what he's done there hasn't been good. Look at the talent they have, plenty of it, a lot of it from South Georgia. But the way he goes about things, that ain't it, Chief, and, and that's not really what I'm about. I, I have a feeling that a lot of you would agree with me um, on that one. Um, let's touch on one more thing uh, from the Minnesota game, and we'll get out of here. Uh, I, I did want to think out loud real quick about the final drive of the game for Georgia Southern. So Georgia Southern goes down 35-32, which ended up being the final score. 13 seconds remaining. Minnesota kicks off and uh, inexplicably kicks the ball out of bounds, giving Georgia Southern the ball at the 35 with 13 seconds to go. I would have liked to have seen you know, some sort of a quick play uh, off the rip with 13 seconds left to go out of, uh, you know, out of the TV timeout following the kickoff out of bounds. If, you know, if you can gain some yards, you get to the 40, you get to your own 45, then you're one play away from being at field goal range and you kind of make Minnesota come out of that prevent a little bit. Uh, instead, Georgia Southern kind of went with uh, a lot of deep routes. Tomlin uh, eluded the pocket, then threw to Mark Mashad, who missed it. Uh, then the final play was a uh, you know lateral play that uh, was sniffed out pretty quickly and failed. Uh, I think in between, they ran three plays, Georgia Southern did. I think in between, they were trying on that second play for a hook and ladder. Uh, you got to hit the hook before you hit the ladder. Um, and, you know, that's kind of obvious. But uh, I would have liked to have seen them try to give T-Bass a shot. And I'll be interested. I'm going to ask. Uh, CCL about this next Monday uh, at his presser, I would have liked to have known how far it would have taken Georgia Southern to give T-Bass a shot there to tie it up and send it into overtime. I would think, I would think if they got uh, to the, say, 45, um, the Minnesota 45, that puts it at a 62-yarder. I would think that's where they would have started considering giving T-Bass a shot. Neither here nor there, I guess, but uh, you know that was an interesting uh, way to do it and kind of shed some light on the way Georgia Southern will go about things if they are putting that opportunity again. So that, that's all I got from Minnesota, guys. Let's put it behind us, go into bye week, and you know get healthy. Hopefully we'll find out more about Wirtz this week. We know Wes Kennedy will not be playing in the September 28th um, Sunbelt Conference opener versus Louisiana. Um, but we'll have plenty more on that and a lot of uh, kind of bigger picture Georgia Southern stuff coming up on Saturday. In the meantime, you can follow me at Jadon Sports SMN on Twitter. You can find all of our stuff at savannahnow.com slash sports. That's where you can sign up for our free Georgia Southern newsletter. 
um, and find all of our coverage of Eagle Athletics there. Uh, until Saturday, we'll talk to you guys, and thank you for listening. Oh, yeah. Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. Pass swings. On the way. It's gone.